0: Hi everyone, welcome to Logical Bible Study. Welcome particularly if you're new to this podcast, you've only just started listening recently. I hope you're learning a lot from diving into scriptures in an in-depth academic way that we have been doing in this podcast. Um, I know so many of you have been blessed uh, by, by this podcast and that was always the goal. We wanted to give you something a bit different that's that uh, no other ministry is really doing every day diving into the text of the today's gospel in a really academic, rigorous way, but also in a way that's accessible um, in short 20 or 30, 30 minute chunks every day, we give you the tools to help you understand the meaning of today's gospel. Today is one of those really interesting um, gospel passages that I think sheds a lot of light on Jesus, and in particular, on his relationship with the Pharisees. So we're looking at Matthew chapter twenty three, verses twenty three to twenty six. Jesus said, Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you who pay your tithe of mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice, mercy, good faith. These you should have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out gnats and swallowing camels. Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you who clean the outside of cup and dish and leave the inside full of extortion and intemperance. Blind Pharisee, clean the inside of cup and dish first so that the outside may become clean as well. So we're in Matthew chapter 23, and this is, I think, the most important chapter in understanding Jesus' relationship with the Pharisees and the role of the Pharisees in society. So often you'll hear these really simplistic explanations like uh, the Pharisees placed too much emphasis on tradition or Jesus didn't like the Pharisees because they had given themselves too much power that God didn't want them to have. All of those are too simplistic if you really want to understand What the Pharisees are on about, what Jesus' criticism of them is, read Matthew chapter 23 in its entirety. And obviously we can't do that today, we're just looking at um, a short section of it. Um, But it's a really important chapter if you want to get your theology of Jesus correct, I would say. If you want to understand where Jesus is coming from with the Pharisees, you must read Matthew chapter 23. So what's the setting here of today's passage? It looks like it's in the temple because that's where Jesus has been... Uh, just prior to this. It's the last week of his life. This is the final conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees, and it's the fiercest. It's the last, well, it's the last week of his life. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus gives a wide-ranging critique of the practices of the Pharisees. He really gets to the point in what the Pharisees are doing wrong and what he thinks about them. He's quite harsh in a lot of his words. Um, In fact, later in this same um speech he gives to the pharisees he basically says to the pharisees you're going to hell um, that's pretty much the language he uses um, so it's a speech of jesus that's well worth studying now earlier in the conversation so in verses 1 to 12 Jesus said some really interesting things. Um, So in verses 1 to 12 of chapter 23, Jesus confirmed that the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so they should be listened to because they have legitimate authority. A lot of Christians miss that. And he also said in that passage that his disciples should not imitate the Pharisees, although they should listen to them, um, because the Pharisees stop people from coming closer to God in the way that they act. Now, that is such a fundamental passage, the first part of Matthew chapter 23. So I would recommend, before even we get into today's episode, I would recommend uh, that you as a listener should go back and read the start of Matthew chapter 23, um, and you can listen to it in the podcast archive. So that passage um, is read on Tuesday of week two in Lent. And it's also Saturday of week 20 in Ordinary Time. It's also read on one of the Sundays as well. But Tuesday of week two in Lent and Saturday of week 20 in Ordinary Time. That has actually proved to be one of the most popular episodes in the podcast to date. A lot of people have really got a lot out of listening to that episode. So see if you can chase that passage down. Uh, Tuesday of week two in Lent would be the best place to look for that one. Now, just after that, verses 13 to 22, Jesus intensified his words about the Pharisees preventing people from entering the kingdom, and he corrected their false views about swearing on sacred objects. So that's read on Monday of week 21 in Ordinary Time, which might be um, prior to the episode you're listening to today, unless there was a feast day prior to this. Now, that leads right into today's reading. We're starting at verse 23 today. See, here's what he says to the Pharisees. Alas for you, or woe to you, is a better translation there. Now, there's a bit here to say about woes. Woes carry the idea that in the end, the Pharisees are going to experience great sorrow. And that contrasts with the blessings that people are going to experience in the Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitudes, it's blessed are you. Well, here's the opposite. Woe to you, Pharisees. Now, this recalls similar language in the Old Testament. God often pronounces judgment on Israel, and often it's in the form of woe, woe to you, Israel. So, usually it's a covenant curse that God's pronouncing. And Jesus appears to be using it in a pretty similar way here. In Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces seven woes, which is interesting. So, in this entire chapter, he's going to pronounce woes on them seven times. And that might recall Leviticus 26 In Leviticus 26, God promises to exact sevenfold vengeance upon the Israelites if they violate his covenant. So some scholars think Jesus deliberately is giving them seven in order to highlight that they're going to receive God's judgment, which is exactly what he says in chapter 24. He goes on to describe how they are, in fact, going to be destroyed. So the one he gives here, verse 23, this is the fourth woe in the speech. He says, scribes and Pharisees, now, collectively, remember, this is the group that's in charge of interpreting and teaching God's law to the people, so he's speaking to them collectively, you hypocrites. Now, hypocrites, as you probably know, that's a word that basically means stage actor. It's a word that Jesus often uses for the Pharisees. And the basic reason Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites is because they say they're doing one thing, but in practice, they end up doing the opposite of that, and we'll see how that plays out here. Jesus is now going to give a couple of specific examples to show how the Pharisees are hypocrites. In particular, he's going to show that they're meticulous and rigorous about external holiness, but they've neglected the more important interior holiness. That is why they're hypocrites. God does desire external holiness, so we need to keep that in mind as we go through. God in fact, instituted a lot of these um, external rules and requirements, so God does desire those things. However, God is more concerned with interior holiness. That's God's first priority, um, and that's what he wants our first priority to be if we're serving him. Apparently, that was something the Pharisees had forgotten. They were placing external requirements as above internal requirements, and as a result, they were leading people astray. Now, Jesus is now going to refer to mint and dill and cumin. Interesting words here. Now, this, I should say this whole next part, I think this is a really... Um, if you don't do a proper exegesis on this next part, you're not going to understand what Jesus says. And so that's why I think um, this podcast and other other tools that help you do exegesis... Um, you really can't understand a passage like this unless you do that properly, and you'll see that there's such an incredible richness in here when you do dive into the text in this way. So what's the go here with mint and dill and cumin? So mint and dill were small seasoning herbs in that culture, and cumin is a seed that's used as a condiment in that culture as well. And there's different variations on those words in their spelling. Mint and dill and cumin. So here's what he says about the Pharisees. You hypocrites, you who pay your tithe of mint and dill and cummin. So according to the Mosaic law, a a tenth part, which is what tithe means, a tenth part of all produce has to be offered to God. So Leviticus 27 talks about that. Deuteronomy 14 talks about that, and so that was part of the law: is that you do have to offer a tenth of all of your plant produce. And apparently the Pharisees were very good at that, actually. In fact, they fulfilled it even down to their mint and dill and cumin. So they were even so precise that they counted out a tenth of their their mint, a tenth of their their dill. Jesus' point here is that they fulfill this one-tenth law precisely, even to the most insignificant of herbs. So they actually fulfill this law... Um, very, very precisely. They're probably even going above what the law requires because the law doesn't mention these small herbs. It just talks about larger grain plants. Um, But here, the Pharisees take that law so seriously that they apply it even to the smallest of herbs. But here's what Jesus says is the problem with that. You have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and good faith. Now, I should just say faith there, justice, mercy, and faith. Now here we learn one of the biggest problems with the Pharisees and this is an important verse I think. They were not keeping God's most important requirements of the law. They were not practicing justice, mercy and faith which is what God is most concerned with. These are the ones that correspond to internal righteousness and I do think this is a key verse in understanding Jesus' view of the law. Jesus doesn't disregard the Old Testament laws, he just thinks some are more important than others. And there's quite a few good scholarly papers out there about this particular verse, because it does shed light on a lot of other things. So justice, mercy, and faith is what God primarily wants, but apparently the Pharisees have forgotten about that. Now that was always the purpose of the Mosaic law. Often you might hear this claim that The Old Testament was more about external righteousness, that's all God wanted, and then the New Testament comes along, and now God doesn't care about that anymore, and he just wants internal righteousness. Actually, even in the Old Testament, those external laws were always directed towards justice, mercy, and faith. That was always what God's primary concern was. If you look at even in Deuteronomy, early in the Bible, Deuteronomy 10 verse 16, God says to the Israelites, circumcise your heart. That's what he wants them to do. He wants internal righteousness. And then in Ezekiel 36, verse 17, Ezekiel says, through, uh, with God's inspiration, that immoral actions are what cause impurity, not external washings. It's actually immoral actions that are the source of true impurity. So when Jesus talks in those terms, he's actually just backing up what a lot of the Old Testament says. So the external requirements of the law, like doing washings, doing tithing, they were supposed to remind the Jews of the requirement for internal holiness. They were supposed to be reminders of being totally dedicated to God internally and externally. But in the time of Jesus and even in the Old Testament, some had made it more about the externals and had forgotten the internals. This is a key thing. If you can understand that, you'll understand a lot of Matthew's gospel. It's a big theme that runs all the way through. Jesus is constantly telling the Pharisees, you're doing the externals pretty well, but you've forgotten the internals, which are more important. And in the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say to his disciples? Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And in that context, what he means is you need to have internal righteousness, not just external this is a key verse, because it teaches us that Jesus' view of the law, and this is also the view of the Catholic Church as well, is that some aspects of God's law are more important than others. Some, some versions of fundamentalists don't understand this, but it's Jesus' teaching. Some aspects of God's law are more important than others. And in particular, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, Jesus says the requirement to fulfill the two love commandments, love God, love neighbour, they correspond most closely to God's will. Those are the most precise formulations of what God expects of people, whereas some of the other laws are concessions that God made for sinful people, even though they don't correspond to his ultimate will, for example, the divorce law. So if we as Christians, and this applies to all people who are trying to follow God, if, we'll, if we fulfill other laws in the Old Testament, but we don't fulfill the two love commandments... We're not really holy. That is Jesus' teaching. Jesus here puts himself in a long line of Old Testament prophets who've always made the same point. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. That's what Hosea says. And Jesus has come to remind them of God's priorities. So then Jesus adds this comment, which is quite useful. He says, these you should have practiced without neglecting the others. So here Jesus adds an important qualifier the external holiness things the Pharisees were doing are required. So we shouldn't see this as Jesus saying, "Stop stop doing your external things. Here he actually says you should be doing that as long as you do the others as well. He's saying that the external holiness things are required, but the internal ones are even more important. So in fact, the basic understanding here is if the external laws are practiced without the internal ones, it's not pleasing to God. On the other hand, if we... Uh, internally righteous, then the external acts we do become more genuine and more pleasing to God. Isn't it amazing how all these different things come together? When you just shift your perspective a bit and really dive into the text, uh, all the pieces start to fit together and you can really see what Jesus is on about and what the issue with the Pharisees is. And I, I believe you can't fully understand Jesus unless you're willing to look at the Gospel of Matthew in particular to see what Jesus' view is of the Old Testament and what his view is of the current leaders who are teaching people the Old Testament in his time. Um, It's very hard to get a full picture of Jesus unless you're really willing to do the kind of study that we do in this podcast. So with that said, we should be asking what's the application to us today? And I think on a basic level, we can certainly say that as Christians, we can possibly fall into the same trap of placing Um, peripheral things and making them central and forgetting about them, the things that God wants us to do the most. We can make small issues, big issues, basically, whether that comes to particular parts of the Bible, whether that becomes uh, particular parts of church teaching, the same principle applies. We have to be careful that we are always focusing on God's most important laws and God's most important things that correspond to his will and not Um, place too much emphasis on the small things. Now, the small things um, are probably right as well, and they're given to us for a reason, and there's certainly truths there. But Jesus' teaching clearly is that if we get these out of order, then our religious practice is not going to be correct. So we always need to come back to the two love commandments, love God and love neighbor. Um, That is certainly Jesus' teaching here that still applies to us. Now, he has more to say. Verse 24, he says to them, "'You blind guides!' Now, this is a criticism which he says to them several times in this speech. Since the Pharisees don't know the way to the kingdom, they're blind. And as a result, they'd actually become bad guides for other Jews to reach the kingdom. That's why Jesus gets so frustrated with them. They're not just affecting themselves. They're actually stopping others through their teaching and their practice from reaching the kingdom of God. He says, You strain out a gnat and swallow camels. Now, let's pull apart this phrase a bit. This is a fascinating one to do a study of. You strain gnats and swallow camels. Now, the Jews at the time would literally strain out gnats from their meals. Certainly, the Pharisees did because the law, the Mosaic law, says that gnats, these small little fly things, they're unclean animals and they're not to be eaten. Leviticus 11 says that you should not eat a gnat. So, the Jews, um, following that law, strained gnats out from their meals. They would pour their beverages, particularly wine, through a cloth before they drink the wine in order to strain it. And they would get the gnats out by doing it that way. Um, So Jesus says to them, you do strain out gnats, you strain out gnats, but you swallow camels. So gnats are unclean, they're very small, unclean things. Camels were the largest unclean animal. So it's very similar to, remember how he says, camels and the eye of a needle, he compares those two things. Well, being a good rabbi, he continues in that comparison thing by picking the smallest unclean animal, a gnat, and the largest unclean animal, a camel. And basically, he's saying that the Pharisees deal well with gnats. They do strain out gnats, but they completely ignore the rule when it comes to camels. So they end up swallowing camels. And what does Jesus use when he, what does he mean when he uses this phrase? Basically, he means something like this. You are incredibly meticulous about small things of the law and completely miss big things in the law in relation to God's will. So they're making central issues peripheral and vice versa. That's quite a clever phrase, isn't it? You strain out gnats, but you end up swallowing camels. Verse 25. Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. So this is the fifth woe he pronounces out of the seven. You who clean the outside of cup and dish and leave the inside full of extortion and intemperance." So this is his second example. He just gave us the the example of the herbs. Now he brings up the examples of cups and dishes, which he says they clean well, but they leave the inside full of extortion and intemperance. So here Jesus gives the phrase cup and dish a double meaning. Now on the literal level, they did have complex laws about how to purify eating utensils. If you look at Mark chapter 7 verse 3 to 4, Mark actually describes ...some of the specific ritual washings they would do um, in relation to purifying utensils. So Jesus says, yeah, you do those things. But Jesus also uses cup and dish as a metaphor for the Pharisees themselves. He says, you clean the outside of cup and dish, as in you clean the outside of yourself... ...but you leave the inside full of extortion and intemperance. We know that the Pharisees did go to great lengths to purify themselves externally... But here, as Jesus says, their hearts internally are not purified. They're full of sin and malice. So Jesus' instruction in verse 26, clean the inside of cup and dish first so that the outside may become clean as well. So here Jesus gives us the correct order of events in terms of righteousness or whatever word you want to use, purity, holiness. Here Jesus says one must become internally pure first, through obedience to God's central commandments and with God's grace. So internal righteousness has to come first if it's true righteousness. That will bring about true holiness. So then external actions will be truly righteous as well. And they're much more pleasing to God if it's matched with internal righteousness. And of course, that's essential, a, um, a key thing that Jesus has come to reveal about the kingdom of God. God desires transformation of our hearts In order to be truly pleasing to Him and truly in line with His will, purely doing external things without internal transformation can only get you so far. And certainly in the case of the Pharisees, it had taken them to a point where they'd completely missed God's will because they weren't, um, they were completely neglecting the internal transformation. So that's the end of today's um, passage. There's more that Jesus has to say about this. So he goes on for quite a while in this speech in Matthew 23. So the very next thing he says to them, he calls them whitewashed tombs, and he accuses them of killing the prophets. So in the coming days, we'll look at the rest of this speech, and Jesus actually gets, um, he intensifies things even more. There's no catechism references for us to look at today, so we'll finish it there. I hope you learned something new. There's always so much richness in the Jewish context of Matthew's gospel. If you've never heard this stuff before and you think others should um, benefit from hearing this as well, then can I ask you to share this podcast link with them. Please leave a rating on iTunes if you're enjoying this podcast so that more and more people can see it through iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube as well. Um, And consider becoming a supporter of the ministry. If you believe this ministry is worth supporting and you want to get access to bonus exegesis episodes then please um, have a look at the patreon link in the show notes thanks again for your prayers and your support and hopefully you'll tune in again tomorrow